Section C. The Believer Uses Reason in Theology The starting point is then the faith, i.e. the revelation received through faith. But in order to elaborate the science of theology, we have to use our reason, our capacity to think, to put things together in our mind, draw conclusions, gather data, organize them, draw further conclusions, etc. Therefore, our means of knowing in theology is reason illumined by faith. While in order to study physics, for example, we use only reason, in theology we use reason illumined by faith. But when reason is illumined by faith, it doesn't thereby cease to be reason. We don't change our manner of thinking, our logic, when we are enlightened by faith, any more than our nature changes when it is sanctified by grace. Grace does not suppress nature, but brings it to perfection. Faith doesn't contradict reason, though it surpasses it. By faith, we are not asked to accept something we do not understand at all, like a square circle or a finite infinity. Revelation is called revelation precisely because it reveals, it enlightens or illumines us. There is no conflict, therefore, between faith and reason. When studying theology, we should always remember two things. First, that we are not using reason alone, but also that we are using reason all the time. What faith does is to protect reason, to prevent it from falling into error regarding divine things. But reason remains reason. We are not asked to accept things without understanding them, even if they are enveloped in mystery, in obscurity. We do understand them, and they are relevant and applicable to our life. With reason alone, man can reach a certain amount of natural truths concerning God, the moral order, and the immortality of the human soul. These are natural truths, and it is possible for reason to reach them by itself. However, by the enlightenment of faith, reason is raised to a higher vantage point from which it can see more things and more clearly. In the Christian, these two orders of knowledge, supernatural truths and natural truths, are joined, but without confusion. We distinguish them very clearly, but we don't separate them. They could be separated. A man could lose his faith while retaining his reason. That's why they are distinct. But for reason to lose the faith once it has received it, apostasy, is the worst thing that can happen to it. In the face of divine truths, Reason suffers a natural darkness, as well as an infranatural darkness. It is important to notice this in order to appreciate the need for humility in approaching matters of divine faith. Reason is subject to a natural darkness due to the simple fact that it is limited, while divine truths are infinite. But there is also an infranatural darkness, i.e., a darkness below our nature. This is the darkness due to original sin, to fallen nature. In the state of original justice, our first parents had the natural mastery of their passions by reason and will, gift of integrity. But after original sin, man just cannot control himself. Reason and will are unable to control passions. This leaves reason in a state of infranatural darkness which makes it all the more imperative for man to approach this matter with the greatest humility. 
By receiving the light of faith, reason is healed, raised, and empowered to understand things not understandable otherwise. Both the natural and the infranatural darkness of reason are to a certain extent dispelled by the light of faith. Faith is to reason what grace is to nature, what supernatural truths are to natural truths. Faith doesn't substitute itself for reason, but brings it to perfection, which means that it is good for us to study what reason can discover by itself alone. Likewise, our nature is not replaced by grace, but healed, raised, and empowered. Grace comes to the intelligence as light, to the will as power, to the heart as love. It inflames our heart with love, empowers and strengthens our will, and enlightens our intelligence all at once, but without destroying those faculties. It is like the fire making the iron red-hot while remaining iron. It's iron, but on fire. This is the work of grace, and this is what faith does to reason. Revelation, as contained in scripture and tradition, and explained by the church, adapts itself to our limited way of knowing, so that we can understand it. And our reason is by nature geared to the truth. If it were impossible for us to reach the truth, we could not be raised to know divine truths. That's how a sound philosophy comes to our aid. To show that we can indeed attain the truth. Admittedly, we cannot attain the whole truth about everything, because then we would be God. But we can know things in their truth, really and truly, however imperfectly or incompletely. This is the basis for the study of theology. One may wonder how we can understand anything about God if our mind is limited and God is infinite. It is true that we cannot take the whole thing at one glance, but we can always take a little more, so to speak, because we are capable of attaining the truth, and in this our mind is indeed imperfect, but perfectible. As we have said, the truths of faith are above reason, but not against it, otherwise they would not be a revelation to us. It is also true that man has the power to reject the faith by using his reason in the wrong way. This means that the acceptance of revelation is free on the part of man. Faith is both supernatural and free. There is no imposition on the part of God. God doesn't treat man as a puppet, but as an intelligent being, so that man accepts the faith freely, prompted by grace, but freely. Nevertheless, when the Christian faith has been received and accepted, we can say like St. Peter, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, with greatest possible firmness. And this firmness in our believing is stronger than the firmness with which we accept natural truths with reason alone that 2 plus 2 equals 4 we accept as natural truth with our reason, with complete certainty and firmness without any doubt. However, the firmness of our certainty in this case is less than the firmness of our acceptance of the word of God based on his own authority. This means that if we accept any doubt in matters of faith, we gravely offend God, because doubt is the opposite of certainty. Faith must be accepted with absolute certainty, with a certainty even stronger than purely rational certainty. The starting point of theology is faith, firmly accepted, as St. Paul calls it, the obedience to faith.
as a result of this firmness in the acceptance of faith, the believer has a certain feeling of superiority with regard to the practical problems of life. In the light of our faith, we can be much more sure and certain of what is true and right than in the light of any other authority or school of thought. There is nothing more certain than the word of God. And this is not pride or triumphalism, because we have the humility of knowing that we can indeed make many mistakes without reason, while God, on the other hand, cannot make any mistake. Therefore, putting all our confidence in his word is an act of humility, and it gives the Christian that feeling of superiority to assess and approach the things of this life. This is what my faith tells me. Therefore, it is much more certain than what anybody else may say with his reason alone, infinitely more certain and trustworthy. More specifically, the believer uses reason in theology for three purposes. One, to demonstrate what are called preambles to faith. These are the natural truths leading to the acceptance of the faith. Existence of God, human freedom, immortality of human soul, natural law, etc. Thus, reason is useful to theology in this respect by showing the reasonableness of all the preambles to faith, how far reason can reach by itself, and then showing that faith comes to enhance reason and to confirm those truths of the natural order, clarifying them. 2. To deepen and widen our understanding of the supernatural truths by means of analogies, similarities, and comparisons, as was mentioned with the example of our divine filiation. 3. To reject the attacks against the faith. If somebody attacks the faith, reason is used to prove that whatever is said against the faith must be mistaken, either because there is misinformation about the facts or because the arguments are incorrect. For example, if someone says that Mary is not the mother of God, but only of the humanity of Jesus, we may reply simply that this is wrong because it contradicts our faith. It contradicts what the church says. But we may also, as theologians, reply that it is wrong, not only because it contradicts our faith, but also because the arguments are incorrect. If this person believes that Jesus is the redeemer of man, his sacrifice must be the sacrifice of a man who is also God, since otherwise this sacrifice cannot have an infinite value for all men. Therefore, the person of Christ must be the only one, and Mary is the mother of the person, so she must be the mother of God. With reason, then, we have proved that his argument contradicts itself, because, on the one hand, he believes in the divinity of Christ, and on the other, he denies that he is the redeemer of man. This is also the role of reason, to expose the unreasonableness of the errors against the faith. Lastly, reason can also unmask certain theories or arguments, which, although not in direct opposition to the faith, might implicitly be so. All the above shows why we should study what reason can achieve by itself, i.e. philosophy, which is the knowledge of the first principles of reality in the light of reason. Philosophy ought to be studied because it is the instrument of theology.